Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com and send along any questions and any comments about any topic, anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end of the program, where we're also going to share some really exciting new opportunities for you. And please feel free to share this with people who you know who will also find it of interest. Today's episode is really exciting for a number of reasons. First of all, we've got three incredible guests, all each of them and all together, outstanding uh, uh, Christian women um, who, who, are, who are each dear friends and who are talking about something that is a bookend topic to last week's episode, which if you didn't listen to, I want to encourage you to do so after you listen to this because it's going to provide you so much more enrichment. We're at the concluding days of Passover. And last week we spoke about the traditional Jewish observance and, and some of the really fascinating, unique aspects. This week, we're speaking with three Christian women who, who have each incorporated the celebration and observance of Passover into their lives as Christians. And we're going to discuss how and why they do that, how that, that enriches them and how it's something that if you're not familiar with, you might want to consider yourself. Today's conversation, I think, is really unprecedented. And I have to admit, um, by way of background, I thought this was a good idea and, and tested, the, tested the winds with a few people. And there was a general uh, agreement, a general consensus that, yes, this is a fascinating program. And it complemented really well the other programs that we've done this week. But I have to admit, in full, full disclosure, I didn't understand how significant and widespread the practice is among Christians to celebrate Passover and specifically make a Seder. Um, uh, friends of mine who are here, uh, friends of ours who are here with us do so. And, and we have three panelists. Unfortunately, Chris Romano was unable to join us at the last minute. Um, and others who are here participating do. And just yesterday, pastor who I asked to, to close yesterday's webinar in prayer, introduced it by saying the, the, a few days earlier, he had a Passover Seder with his whole family and friends who were visiting him from Denver. So it's really important that we had this, uh, that we have this conversation. And I'll, I'll just share uh, one, one last personal thing today uh, as, one, as really the last full day of the intermediate days of the Passover holiday, my family and I drove to, um, to a place called Beartuvia where we could pick flowers. And, um, and it's also near the Ben and Jerry's factory. And since during, only during Passover, do my children who have celiac, are they able to eat all of the Ben and Jerry flavors? So we were able to have our, our lunch 
uh, over many scoops of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. But on the way down there, we were talking about it. My kids don't sit in the room and sometimes they'll watch and ask how these programs are. And I said, so, so they said to me, Abba, what's today's program about? And I explained it. And my, my youngest daughter said in Hebrew, she said, Ma Kesha, what's the point? Why do Christians even want to uh, connect with Passover? Um, and, and it led to an, an interesting conversation where even though I'm as centrally involved building bridges with, with Christians and Jews, doesn't always trickle down to my, my children and they don't fully understand it. So it was a, some, a, at times an intense conversation. Um, eventually maybe they'll, they'll watch this and, and we'll get some really good, if you will, answers for them. Um, but it, but it's, it's very personal and it's very fascinating and I'm grateful for, for this uh, opportunity. Allow me, albeit that normally that I do things much more um, ad hoc, to introduce our incredible three uh, guests and panelists that we have with us today. Uh, but normally I don't read, but there's actually a lot packed here. So you'll forgive me for not making the eye contact and being, as, being more formal than I'm used to being. Uh, first, I wanna introduce Parthine, Parthenia Antoine. Parthenia is a doctor of pharmacy. She's a, a Texas certified fourth through eighth grade math teacher and of course lives in Texas. She has four adult children and has enjoyed celebrating Passover with her family for over 25 years. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to getting there. If you see her picture, you can see her Passover, her table is set for her, for her Seder that she's doing later today. Um, she got involved with Passover after being introduced to its significance um, as, uh, as part of her Christian faith more than 30 years ago. From there, with added studying of scripture in Hebrew and Greek, she developed a supernatural love for the nation of Israel and God's chosen people. She and her husband before his death personally helped to airlift over 140 Russian Jews from the Soviet Union to Israel. She participated in our incredible program that we had last night, uh, highlighting and, and interviewing some of the um, refuseniks. And, and I, if you haven't seen that, I certainly encourage you after today to go back and visit that program as well. Parthini is actively involved in supporting Je the Genesis 123 Foundation, for which we're tremendously blessed and grateful creating the Meaningful Bridges and Dialogue. Um, she's made a really super uh, uh, donation to the new program that we established earlier this year on behalf of Ethiopian Jews, specifically Titi's project um, in Netanya for, uh, for um, after-school programs for at-risk youth and other organizations, including Root Source and One for Israel, Living Israel, L'Chaim, Americans for a Safe Israel, um, and two organizations that provide housing and support for new immigrants in Israel, several churches that support the Jewish people and support for Holocaust survivors. So in short, we have a bit of a bridge building expert with us who's got almost 30 years of Passover under her belt. Um, Victoria, Victoria Marmalejo is an ordained minister. She began working with Bridges for Peace 15 years ago. She's the national field director for Bridges for Peace, currently living in Florida. Uh, she wrote the Iron Dome Prayer, along with the leader's morning prayer, morning as in day, not in, not in grief. Um, she also created my prayer book for Christians, inspired by Jewish women praying at the Western Wall. She initiated Women's Prayer Weekend, 
across the U.S., connecting women to Israel by ministering to them through worship, rest, and Bible-based teachings. Victoria has lived in Greece, Spain, and Germany, and enjoys traveling the world. She's been to Israel eight times um, and enjoys hosting tours here to bring other people to connect and better understand the Jewish people in the Bible. Um, Victoria is a military veteran, has six children and 11 grandchildren. And Victoria, we're so thrilled for your, for your participation today as well and grateful. And Priscilla, Priscilla Flory, um, I, I, I wrote it, but it's hard to be scripted with Priscilla. Um, by way of full disclosure, and it's funny, Priscilla, in our, in our earlier comments, you, you said it was really only seven years, but, but it does feel like it's a lifetime, at least my lifetime. And um, we, we, we in my family affectionately call Priscilla Bo-Mom, as in bonus mom. And the truth is, since my mother died 16 years ago, she's the closest I have. And we're, we're, we, I am personally, and my wife and children are, are um, tremendously grateful in an earlier conversation a month or two ago, oh, after my second grandson was born, we realized that it's actually through my Jewish genealogy that my two, my two Orthodox Jewish grandsons are in fact her first great-grandchildren, or and if we have to add the parentheses, bonus great-grandchildren, then so <laughs> be it. Um, Priscilla, uh, in January 1988, Priscilla asked a, a, um, a group of friends to pray that God would remove anti-Semitism from the church. And that began a year of study and introspection, also at the beginning of that year, starting with Passover. In October 1989, she went to Israel for the second time to celebrate Sukkot and then go to the IDF as a civilian volunteer, which she's done a few times, right? That was twice. Um, Jesus, uh, Priscilla is a... Um, lives and breathes the, the, uh, the, the saying that Jesus said, follow me um, in, in everything that she does. Um, doing so led her to the Bible, uh, led, her, led her through the Bible to embrace Israel and the Jewish people as she has. Um, in addition to those two incredible opportunities, being a civilian volunteer in the IDF, um, the second one, by the way, at age 71, um, Priscilla is actively involved in bringing people to connect with Israel and the Jewish people, teaches about Judaism and Jewish holidays widely, including her church and in a radio program close to her home in Virginia. And Priscilla, on all those levels, um, we're grateful. Oh, and I neglected to mention Priscilla has been a tremendous, generous sponsor of programs like this that we've been doing for a number of months. Um, so, ladies, um, let's jump in. Uh, and I'll shake it up and we'll, we'll kind of move around in different orders. And, and um, as I described to some people, I think to us, I'd like for this to be a conversation as if we were four of us sitting, having coffee together and just inviting hundreds of friends to watch and eavesdrop. Um, so starting, let, 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 let's go back to the alphabetical, Parthenia, if you don't mind. How and why do you celebrate Passover? You've been doing it for over 25 years. Well, just to give a little background, um, I was raised, uh, I became a, a Christian uh, when I was young, straight away, and then came back to the Lord uh, while I was in uh, pharmacy school, and um, got supernaturally filled with the Holy Spirit, and just always 
love the Bible, the stories of the Bible, and the miracles of the Old Testament is always fascinating. I love the, uh, Israel, the Jewish people, of course. Yeshua is, Jew is Jewish, so of course I love the Jewish people and um, and Israel. So um, my husband and I, we he was Catholic when we got married, and uh, but the Lord supernaturally saved him. And then we just started on this journey of just a hunger for the word. We just love the word of God, uh, the full Old Testament, New Testament. And so uh, eventually we were introduced by some friends to a Passover Seder. And we understood, that, but there was still a disconnect between what it meant for us as Christians and what was happening all the time. It's like it was, we're reading a story, but it wasn't connected to us. Even though we knew Jesus celebrated the Passover, there was no connection there, if that makes sense. And so once we went to the Seder and they broke down each of the elements, what each thing meant from the Old Testament, but relating it to what Jesus did, uh, Yeshua did in the New Testament, everything came together. And so that just really made sense to us and especially when jesus said as long as you know he said i want you to celebrate uh this you know until i return and so we we realized that we needed to be doing this because it was not only in remembrance of him but it also connected us to our jewish brothers and sisters and in an understanding their deliverance their physical deliverance from Egypt as slaves, but it, it showed the physical first and then the spiritual of our deliverance from uh, slavery to sin and, and, the, and the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And so uh, it just catapulted uh, to that level. And so we started actually doing Passover with our family. I have four children and they were very young when we started. So they had Passover every year. And uh, they look forward to it, especially, you know, the uh, carousel, uh, the, the sweet apple and that honey mixture and uh, and the story of the Passover from um, the Old Testament and then how it related to uh, our Yeshua who we worship. Anyway, so we, we started doing that 25 years ago and uh, we've hosted up to 25 people in our home at one time or another. And. Sometimes we'll, Jonathan asks, what's different about our Passover's uh, meals and seders? So some of the special things we've done was to, uh, we actually would dress up in the, the garb of the day, the biblical, biblical uh, I guess, characters. And uh, so it was fun to see the guys in togas and the women in, with the head wrap and everything. And, um, and we also would wash each other's feet, symbolic of what Jesus did on the Passover, which we know as the Lord's Supper. So um, that's how we've gotten involved. And my husband, he passed three years ago, but I've still kept up because it was difficult in the first year. But I have wonderful friends who are, and I had a gentleman who could step in and, and do the, uh, the leader part. And since then, a lot of the people that we've literally raised up and introduced this to in our home, they still come. And what they do, I would ask them to now be the, the leader and the mom. And so I would be here as a support 
haven't done this many times and they get the experience leading a Passover. And from that, there have been several people who have started their own Passovers in their home because they, they learn, you know, from uh, my, myself and my husband's uh, Passover seders, and then they were allowed to uh, leave and then they started in their home. So it's, it's pretty exciting. It's like the new generation of Passover uh, Christian uh, celebrations. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Um, Victoria, how about yourself? Uh, give us a little bit of background, how and, and why you began to celebrate Passover. Well, I love what Parthenia said. Many of those things really resonate with me. And I think it is a kind of a thing that gets passed on. A seed gets planted. And so that happened to me in California. We were living there, stationed there. And a friend of mine had a Passover. I didn't even know she was Jewish. You know, she invites me to her Passover. And it was the most, uh, it was very stressful for me because it was kind of awkward. You're sitting at the table. You want to eat, but they're like making you read, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, what's going on? It didn't connect with me at all, but it was funny. It, I realized at that moment, even though it was very awkward and didn't really know what was going on, that it planted a seed in me of some depth and richness of tradition coming from a Jewish place that I had never even known. I had no uh, frame for Jewish people at all. And so uh, through the years, though, I learned that it was really connected to the word and that it was really a biblical mandate to observe this time. When I read that in the word, I was like, why? I was like, ma, you know, the Hebrew word, what? I was like, why are we not doing this? What's going on? Let me and interrupt never... you a second, Victoria. At what point did you realize that it was a biblical commandment during that first Seder? No, 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 no. It was years later, years later when I started to get into the word and just read it for myself because I was raised Catholic. So we, um, I love the, I love my history, my religious upbringing. But one thing that lacked while I was a Catholic was we really didn't get into the word very much. So this was a whole new, and I was so, I loved the, the uh, Hebrew scriptures, what we would call the Older Testament. I loved that. I just wanted to read all that. I was just absorbing that. And I found there were so many things in there that said, do this, do that, that we weren't doing. And it was like, I kept asking myself why. And I was asking God, why are we? And I would ask people in the church and they were like, well, that's old. You know, we don't do that anymore. And so, um, but that did not sit well with me. I just felt on a quest to find out why we didn't do that. So as I grew through the years, and then really the revelation of it didn't come until I started working with Bridges for Peace, because they then immersed me in understanding these things are relevant. These things are now, there's an actual still a Jewish people out there in the land. There's actual Israel is still there, you know, and God has a plan. And so um, that all just brought everything together for me, which is funny because I would have never worked for Bridges for Peace if someone had not pestered me to go over there and get a job. It was the weirdest thing, uh, but it was God's plan. And so why now continue it and why want to do it? I think because of what Parthenia said, and that is I saw the connection now between what the Jewish people have been pr preserving all this time and how it's relevant for me now as a Christian, because our communion comes out of this. It was his last Passover, you know? And so all of that just um, brought a, a newer depth and richness for me that I want to pass on. And I think the more you invite people 
then you keep it going, that seed of, of that richness in that um, tradition. So um, I do, I do a, I think Parthenia was mentioning earlier, and that is I always make sure to invite at least one new person that I have no idea where they're from or their background and try to just expose them to it. And I think that's key to um, just spreading really the, and invariably you'll get in conversations right around the Passover table about what's going on with the Jews, what's up with Israel, you know? And so it leads us to new places of really changing the narrative for me is, is uh, a mandate I feel personally, changing uh, Semitism mer- narrative. I want there to be a positive view of Israel. Well, thank you. Before I ask Priscilla to, to make a comment on this, and, and for you, Victoria, and maybe Parthenia as well, uh, I'm just and Priscilla, um, I'm curious, when you're talking about the narrative, I to me, that conjures up uh, an entire bookshelf I have of, Hag- of Haggadahs, Haggadot. And when we had our Seder the other night, we took we were only seven or eight people, but we took down 40 of them just to flip through because each one has its own different um, orientation and, 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 and interpretation and comp- that's what I wanted to ask you. So which ones do you use? <laughs> that was actually my question when I registered for this. My question was, what is your favorite Haggadah to use? Because I keep going through like different ones all the time. Because I find um, from that first Passover, I have PTSD from sitting there too long and reading. So I kind of want to like, let's get to the meat of this, you know, which so I'm trying to like even create my own. Uh, This one to me is a little too long. Uh, This one is good, but almost um, it might seem weird to say it, but a little just too, too much Jesus for me. I mean, I love Jesus. Of course, I love Jesus, but I kind of want something more authentic. And so I'm probably going to have to shape my own Haggadah. Okay, great. Um, Parthenia, before I go on to Priscilla, what Haggadah do you use? We were in the same situation uh, when we first started. The one we went to at the very beginning was very, uh, it was more connected to the Jewish traditional uh, Passover. And the, and the uh, Haggadah that was used, was, uh, it was and it's very long, um, like probably took four hours to go through. And uh, so when we started, we we just went on the internet, to be honest with you. <laughs> and we started looking up uh, Passover Seder, uh, the Haggadah for Christians, right? And we went through several, but then I'm sort of like Victoria, we took a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and we made a hodgepodge, and so I literally have this. That we became... don't see it because of the virtual background, but... Okay, I'll promise. It's, it's just, it's called a Christian Passover Haggadah, that we sort of combined some uh, some things that we found online. We have a lot of the Old Testament stuff, but it it's infused with, it's like a almost... I don't want to say perfect, but to us, it, it just really marries the two uh, testaments, and it, it the symbolism that's in the Old Testament is definitely shown in the Passover Lamb of Yeshua. And so, I love that they were able. I was able to grab from different uh, Haggadahs and just put that together, and and it's really meaningful. Uh, people have comes like when Victoria is talking about. 
people who do not know anything about it. And they literally, they have a new revelation of who they really are, who Jesus was. They, it's like they, they were blinded that he was Jewish almost sometimes. Did you experience that, Victoria? And uh, so they get that revelation and then they really just have a love and a hunger. I see a love connection between the old and new Testament and God's chosen people. That's what I love uh, more than anything. So great. great. Okay. Thanks. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis one, two, three foundation this year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed, keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill. They are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Priscilla, we volleyed back and forth a minute, but, but uh, tell us about your first Passover experience and why and how and why you do it now. <laughs> well, my first Passover experience was very funny, actually. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Jonathan, um, I asked a group of friends to um, ask God to remove the anti-Semitism from the church. And I did not know what that meant um, from the church. Anti-Semitism, yeah, I got that, meaning you don't like somebody or you're very opposed to them. Um, but God really began to teach me what that meant. And he started by teaching me about the feasts and about Passover first. And actually the first time um, Tom and I did a Passover, he and I were the only ones there. And I didn't realize that you had to go through the whole Haggadah. And so I just sort of picked and chose what I thought would be good. And besides that, he had gotten tickets to the Kennedy Center for that night. <laughs> so, you know, so we had to sort of push it in there a little bit. And, um, but it was a seed. It was a seed. And one of the things that I know for myself that I am a seed planter. And it was hard for me to understand that because I wanted to see fruit. And so to be a seed planter isn't very showy. And you don't really get to see much a lot of times. And so um, it was very hard for me. But I have become accustomed to that role. And I really love that role. And so over the years, we've had many different Passovers, different kinds of ways, different Haggadahs. Um, we did Passover in um, Israel, in Jerusalem. I've been to Israel 13 times. 
Um, one of my favorite Passovers was in Swaziland. Tom and I um, were very involved in Swaziland and we had some precious friends there. And so one year we were gonna be there over Passover and I thought, wow, it'd be a great idea. We should just fly up to Jerusalem. You know, I mean, you know, we're on the same pair, you know, the same longitude. And so I spoke with a friend of mine in Israel and she said, oh, Priscilla, don't do that. Don't do that because um, there's nothing. Everybody does it in their home, you know, so there's nothing really for you to come to. She said, find the Jews in Swaziland and have Passover with them. And I thought, yeah, good luck. Good luck. Right. You know, like, where are the Jews in Swaziland? Well, one of my best friends was Jewish. And so um, we had a wonderful, wonderful Passover with her. We had a friend of ours roasted a whole lamb and we had that. But um, hers was much more, um, not even really orthodox, but very Jewish, very wonderful. The children were very involved with um, acting out pharaoh and the plagues and you know let my people go when we would all yell let my people go it was hilarious it was just absolutely wonderful and i was so thankful that we had stayed where we were and so that was a that was very very memorable very memorable time and 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 let me interject for just a minute you've also just touched on something that both victoria and parthenia mentioned in terms of passing it along to other people. And, and um, but just by mentioning, which is obviously, I, I say obviously, maybe people don't know that, it's a Jewish uh, tradition that the Passover Seder is imbued with involving children. So we're literally passing it, not just to a new person, but the whole next generation. Yes, yes. and it was wonderful. All these children um, who are now teenagers, um, but they were little, little people. Yeah. But they really got into it and it was just, you know, hilarious, good fun, but um, also very, very meaningful. And it was very meaningful for me because I was doing it with my wonderful friend, Yael, and her, her precious family with whom I'm still in touch. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. Um, and so being able to pass these things on is a real gift. And I'm very, very grateful. The, the gathering that we had Saturday night at our church had a combination of folks who had not done it previously. And then some folks, of course, who had done it. And you and said that was 45 people. We had about 45 people. Uh-huh. So let's, and, yeah, uh, go ahead. And so um, in the Haggadah that we used this time, um, there were 31 reading parts. So everyone got to... Pr- pretty much got to participate. Um, the, the readings weren't long, you know, because we would be there still now, but the, the shortness of them kept everybody involved, but it gave everybody a, a chance to participate. And if they didn't want to, they didn't have to, you know? Great. So um, it's fun to be able to share. And then um, um, there was another very special Passover and uh, my sweet friend is on this call. I saw her just a moment ago. Uh, when Tom and I moved to the country to start our farm, um, I really wanted to go to a, a, I really wanted to have a Passover Seder. And um, I'll probably cry because you know me, Jonathan. 
And I thought, where in the world am I going to have a Passover Seder? We're out here in the country in the boondocks. How did that possibly happen? Well, it's only God could do. <laughs> it's only God could do. Our neighbors were having a Passover Seder. And I was also looking for a small home group that we could be part of. And ta-da, they also had a home group. And so they included us in the Passover Seder with them. And um, I love her dearly. She's on this call. I just yeah. saw her momentarily. Yes, but that was a very, very special time. And so anytime you can do what Jesus did, anytime you can do, because, you know, really the greatest um, compliment that you can pay anyone is to imitate them. And so um, we want to be like Yeshua. We want to be like our Jewish brothers and sisters. We're not trying to co-opt you or, you know, we just want to be like you. We, we, we like that you want to be like us. At least I do. <laughs> I, can't, I can't speak on behalf of all of the Jewish people. How many? We are about 14 million on a good day. So that means 28 million opinions. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I, I, I vote in favor uh, and I'm grateful. Um, Parthenia mentioned in, in terms of her staters dressing up and, and, uh, and, and, and some active role playing. Priscilla, what do you do? We had a big Seder uh, this, this, year, this year, 45 people at your church. What's unique? If, 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 if I were coming to, if, if Parthenia and Victoria and even Lori who's here and everyone else were to come to your Seder and they were experienced in going to Seders, what's the one really unique thing that would jump out to them as being, oh, wow, that's really cool. Oh, I don't know that I would say there was anything terribly unique. Okay. It was very, very, very traditional, honey. Um, I, I mean, I just think that the camaraderie around the tables, um, the, the, just the beauty of being together, the way it came together, of course, everybody didn't see that, but just how everything came together so, so beautifully. And it, it was a learning experience for everyone. And it's like, no matter how many times you do a Seder, it's like when you read the Bible, no matter how many times you read it, there's always something to learn. You can read the same passages over and over again. Correct. Because every, so, every time you read it, you're in a different place exactly. in your own life and you get to see it through a different prism and experience exactly. it. Exactly. And so, you know, whether you do the same Haggadah or you do different ones, um, you know, it's basically the same, but it will touch you differently. And so I just hope that, you know, God brings the people together that he wants to be together. Yeah. And that's the uniqueness, actually. Oh, I like that. I love that. It's the uniqueness of the, the group. Great. And the reality that we're all family. And I think the emphasis on being family is so important. And Very that nice. this is what we do as a family. Very nice. Victoria, how about you? You didn't, I, I don't think you addressed that. What's going to be unique at your Seder in Florida? Well, I have to first echo the, the first thing that Priscilla said, and that is, um, it's very traditional, honey. 
I love the way that she said <laughs> But actually, in the past couple of years, I found these super cool plague things. Have you seen these? These plague headbands? I they love are it. so cool. These are the boils, you know, then we got the blood and everybody gets a headband. So I think really, we just try to make the plagues, try to lighten them up a little bit. You know, it's kind of tough. It's hard time. Pale. Anyway, those are a lot of fun. And that's probably the, the most unique thing we do. Otherwise, it's like Priscilla said, we just have a good time enjoying fellowship and chatting and uh, talking about deep things as well as lighthearted things, too. Good. So, so let's stay, stay with us. Let's pick up on something that's deep. Uh, this is a very broad question and kind of goes to what my daughter said in the car today. What Mahakesha, what's the connection? Why is it significant? What does it mean? Uh, Priscilla, you you said something that was very nice and uh, that struck me in in terms of observing Passover because it's what Jesus did and anything that you can do that he did um, is meaningful and and uh, and enhances your 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 faith, your spirituality. But but whether it's something one thing specific, Victoria and then and and the others, or or more broadly, um, what does it mean? to connect uh, and do Passover? Um, how does it enhance your spirituality? How does it enhance your connection to God or connection to the Jewish people? And or what's the theological significance? And I, I, I accept answers on any or all of those. <laughs> to whom are you directing so that? I, well, Victoria was already talking <laughs> about uh, some of this. So maybe we can just continue. Well, I think for, for me, as far as one of the things I do try to bring out is that, you know, the Hebrew scriptures have been around, you know, way before our Christian scriptures came out, right? And here we have the essence and the, the plan and the picture that God put into place to, you know, take the Israelites, free them from Egypt, all this, and then to commemorate it, to remember it. And then we see the blood on the lintel, you know, this is your deliverance. So then that's been there, right? That has been happening. And then we come along and we, we're Christians and then we have never made the connection that, and it's all over really our New Testament scriptures, our Christian scriptures about Jesus being our Passover lamb. We never, I, I don't recall ever in all my early years of being a Christian ever made that connection. It's written right there, but what? And now I read it and I'm thinking, how did I ever miss? It's like you have these, and really, you know what it is? It's, I call it subliminal replacement theology. All these things that were there, we never saw it because we've been so really indoctrinated into erasing our Hebraic roots and understanding and all of that. I mean, I've even heard pastors say, we don't even have to read that Old Testament. There's nothing really legitimate there anymore. It's all about the new. And this is, that's wicked. It's demonic. It's just wrong. And so just really trying to um, bring those out and those connections that have always been there, I think is really the deeply profound thing about how this connects for us. Awesome. Oh, sorry, Jonathan. Go, Go ahead. ahead. No, I'm just. Um, I was just going to say, honey, one, one of the things, too, for, for me is the reality that it's all one book. 
that it all goes together. We can take out all those little in-between pages that say old and new, um, but it really all comes together as, as one. And so we have to understand the beginning so that we can understand the end. We can't, we can't understand fully what we have unless we know how it all started. And so, and the reality that we are grafted in to this remarkable family as, you know, as followers of Yeshua, we are, we are grafted in. And the problem, part of the problem is like you were saying, Victoria, with, you know, certain people saying, well, we don't need to do that anymore. Well, the reality is we do. We need to understand the history. We need to understand where we've come from. We need to understand who we are so that we can understand where we're going. It's like trying to build a bridge and only having one pylon. You have to have two. And, and, and if I can interject, so what, yeah. what Victoria said was very interesting in terms of sub, being subliminal replacement theology. If, if you erase parts, Right. even subliminally, right. then the foundation of your own faith right. is it, it doesn't have the pipe, whether it's a whether it's a bridge or whether it's pillars on a on a foundation of a of a building or whatever it may be. It's right. a, it's not a stable foundation. So yeah. it's no. um, and that was one of the things that I learned in, in my studies of, with um, studying anti-Semitism is we have to understand the history. We have to understand where we've come from so that we can understand where we're going. And yeah. it's not just a matter of, um, as I said, hating someone, but it's also a matter of dissing them, dismissing them or dismissing like we, the church has dismissed two thirds of its history. Good point. Um, and so, excuse me, go ahead. No, no. I, I, I just wanted to move on to Parthenia. You've been sitting there listening to uh, this fabulous dialogue, a little bit complimenting Victoria, Victoria and Priscilla, complimenting each other. Um, how about yourself? I mean, I, I kind of to reiterate, and, and you can answer it in any way you want. How does it? How how, how does it, what does it mean um, as a Christian, enhancing your spirituality to connect with Passover to God? Um, connecting to us, to the Jewish people, and, and what's the theological foundation? And again, any or all of those, I'm really curious to what you think. Well, uh, I address this in, in the sense of the traditional uh, elements that are used for the Passover Seder and the meaning that was what it meant in the Old Testament and what it now means in the New Testament and how they connect. As, as Priscilla said, there is seamless, really. And so, um, so I'll just, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just sort of read what I, what I uh, wrote up. Uh, so, for example, the flattened lots of bread, um, that's one of the, the things that's used during the, the, as the elements in the Passover Seder. Uh, it's simply bread without leaven or something that rise, causes the bread to rise. And of course, that indicates uh, without sin. And the matzah itself has the shape of a cross in it, which is designed to signify the kind of death Yeshua entered. And the holes in the bread indicate how he was pierced. Okay. 
And then the bitter herbs, which is used traditionally in, in the Jewish uh, Passover, uh, indicates our life before accepting the free gift of salvation by Yeshua. It was a life of slavery to sin, and there was absolutely no joy. It's very bitter. Uh, then the salty water, as in the Old Testament, it meant the crossing of the Red Sea by the Jews and to their new home. Uh, the salty water indicates to us the tears that we've shed as we can continue to live under slavery of sin and separated from the love of God. And, and the salty water, I know, also indicated the, the tears that the Jews cried during uh, physical slavery. And the shank bone of a lamb shows that every piece of his skin was shredded and filleted from his bones. So literally, he was, he was unrecognizable, uh, leaving his bones exposed when he was beaten on the cross uh, with the whip. And so the, the shank bone uh, is symbolic of the lamb, and Jesus is the lamb. Uh, for for Christians. And Parthenia, let me interrupt you just for a second at the risk of some people possibly following uh, who, are, who are watching this right now and may not be familiar with all the items that you're talking about. Um, I just want to state that those these are all on any, certainly any traditional Jewish Seder plate. These are all the pieces that we use in, in the um, that, that they're symbolic and in the narration of the of the Passover story. And if anyone wants to ask more questions, feel free to do so. But but I just wanted people to have that perspective. Sorry for interrupting. That's okay. And I, when I thought about Jonathan, I, I sent you some pictures. Would you happen to have the Seder plate picture? Oh. Give me a second. Uh, share screen. I'm never very good at this, but let's see if I can get that up. We don't need sound at the moment. So this is, how do I move it? There we go. Here's the Seder plate. That's yours. Yes, okay, so that's my Seder plate. That's actually on my table as, as we speak. Uh, I will have uh, 14 people uh, here tonight. Uh, so we're gonna do a Seder meal in my home tonight and I'm introducing some new people to it. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. But this is my, my uh, Seder plate. And so as I was saying, the, the, uh, the matzah is not really on the Seder plate, but it is, it is the bread that we eat. We do not eat leavened bread because leaven is considered and looked at as sin. So, uh, so we do have uh, matzah. And that was on the background of Jonathan's screen just the flattened bread has holes in it. And it actually has a cross symbol, a symbol of the cross, like I said, which indicates how Jesus uh, died for us. And uh, it, I've also heard it said that it also can symbolize the post of the, uh, the doors where the angel of death came in and painted a blood on the doors to protect the uh, Jewish people uh, from being uh, the firstborn from being killed that night. And then the bitter herbs, um, let's see, where is that? That is, yeah, that's sort of like to, all the way to your left. Uh, Jonathan, if you could point that out to them, the bitter herb. Uh, I'm trying to do that. Do you see it? The maror. Uh, oh, it's up here. It's up yeah. here. It's Am up I here. missing it? Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm looking down. Maror. There we go. Okay. And so the bitter herbs. Said it, it represents just life before knowing oh. Yeshua. 
and, and coming into uh, relationship with him. And what I usually I'll use like something like uh, like kale, something that's really bitter, and because it, <laughs> it it does uh, it does uh, you know make you your your mouth perker up and make you want to almost cry. And then the salty water indicates the tears that we shed as we continue to live uh, under slavery of sin. Now, the salt water will be on the table in little bowls. It's not part of the Seder plate, but we use the parsley. Jonathan, do you mind uh, pointing out the parsley? It's all the way to your left. Yes. The parsley is uh, representative of the hyssop that was used to place the blood on the doorpost of the Old Testament, of the, of the homes of the Israelites, so that they uh, they would be passed over that night and the death angel would not take their firstborn. And so we use the parsley uh, to dip into the salt water and we eat that in remembrance of just uh, the, the tears that we cried when we were living in a life of sin without Yeshua. And then the shank bone, uh, that is your right. Here. There it is. There we go. Okay, so that's represented of the lamb uh, that that Israelites had to cook and fully eat, and um, which also indicates who Yeshua is. He's the lamb or the Passover lamb, as I think Priscilla pointed out. Uh, is our I think our Victoria pointed out that's mentioned in First Corinthians chapter five. Paul says Jesus is our Passover lamb and and as she said i read it but then i didn't understand it until i really got into doing the passover and, and fully started studying the scripture um the wine which is not on the seder plate but we we use that wine some people use grape juice uh, i use grape juice myself but there's nothing wrong with using wine they use wine in the bible uh, it represents uh the blood that yeshua shed when he was beaten and bruised on the cross and so and we also use the wine or the or the grape juice to represent the plagues uh, we we take a drop of it and drop it into the plate just in front of us and we we recite all the plagues the nine plagues that were the ten plagues that were uh, brought upon the egyptians for their disobedience in not letting the israelites go and then um the, the egg, of course, indicates that we're born again into a new life, a resurrection life in Yeshua, and that's to your all, the top left. And uh, we are in him, and he's in us, and we have fellowship with him uh, and our fellow men. So the three parts of the egg, to me, represents just uh, the, the, the outer part being, it, being Yeshua, and then we're in fellowship in him and with each other. Um, and then the last one, the caraset, uh, our haraset, uh, indicates the sweetness of the new life once we rise uh, from death, which is what we're living in. We were existing. We weren't really living uh, before Yeshua, and he brought us into the commonwealth of Israel, of, of uniting us back in him with our Jewish brothers and sisters and in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that's how that relates. That's how we relate the importance of Passover as Seder to connect it to the old, but also to the new and the meaning for us as believers 
in a Jewish Messiah. Great, thank you. That, that was really, uh, really in depth and I'm grateful for that. Um, I, I, I think this is not a surprise to any of you um, as, as our guests and panelists, that those are very, those are not very traditional Jewish interpretations. Um, and I would certainly invite anybody who wants to understand the more Jewish, it's not for me to go into right now. Uh, we, our first session last week was, was uh, with two Orthodox rabbis about what we do and why we do, but it's fascinating and going into the topic of our program tonight is, is why you're doing it. And, and, and that was a tremendous explanation. In addition to inspiration from Zion, another Genesis 123 Foundation program, Run for Zion, is the first program uniquely for Christians centered around the Jerusalem Marathon, creating meaningful and lasting experiences. We look forward to having you be able to join us in person soon, but now are offering you a way to connect from wherever you are in the world through virtual tours, webinars, and briefings. For information or to register, please go to runforzion.com. Join Run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. Mine is just like Parthenia. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, Mine's so in the closet. Yours is in the closet. We'll, we'll, you'll show it to us another time. <laughs> Next year in <Great>. Jerusalem. Excellent. <laughs> um, so, okay. So, so now... Uh, I, I was asking for myself, and I think I think that we may have answered it, but I want to just put it out there. Um, Priscilla, Victoria, Parthenia, you're you're not only not novices as far as Passover, but in terms of your connection and fellowship with the Jewish people and Israel in different ways. And so you, I think that it's safe to say, correct me if I'm wrong, that you each and collectively are looking at and observing Passover in general and specifically the Seder much more through a Christian prism than that of the, than that which which I do which completely makes sense because you're not an Orthodox Jew and, uh, and you're Christian um, my my question and I, I, I even though I know you all know it I have to preface it by saying I hope that there's no taking offense to this I'm just curious can you set, can you look at Passover and can you look at the Seder without Jesus as part of it? Or, or is that, but in fact, uh, different comments like Victoria, I think you said at the outset and, and Parthena, you just said a few moments ago as well, that it was just sort of like someone switched the light on and it was, it was, it should have been obvious, but it wasn't obvious. So if, can you rewind it? And, and, and what do you think of that idea? So are you asking, as a Christian, and knowing what I know now, could I do Passover and see and, and have no problem with doing it in a traditional Jewish sense, yet still get uh, spiritual understanding from it? Um, that's, that's a great uh, way of looking at Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, does, it, does it, or can you do that? Or is, or is it essentially a hand in glove can you can or 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 from your pr perspective does passover is passover necessarily defined by jesus and all of the interpretations uh, that that you that you uh share jonathan yes i think it's not either or 
Okay. I think it's both. Ah. Yeah. Yes. That, that we 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 learn like I was saying earlier, we have to understand from the past. Um, I look at it in the terms of a marriage. For example, I'll use my own, Tom's and my marriage. We both grew up in Maryland, about 50 miles apart. Um, we're both Caucasian. We're both born in the United States. Um, we both spoke English, speak English. He doesn't speak it anymore because he's in heaven. But, um, but in, essentially we come really from two different cultures, his family culture and mine. And so we have different uh, ways of speaking. My family has nicknames, his family did not. Um, his family was very golf oriented. Mine was musically oriented. Um, but it's, it was a marriage of the two cultures and making a new one. And I think that's essentially what God has been doing. Um, there's a wonderful song that um, Joel Chernoff sings about Jew and Gentile together. And one of the, the at the last, Jesus's last Passover, um, he prayed this amazing prayer where he would bring us together. And so we can learn, we don't, we don't have to see him in it and practice him in it. We can look at what you all do and learn from that culture. It's important for us to realize that we're not the vine. Israel is the vine. And we are grafted into that only as branches. And so that we have to understand, honey, from, you know, Jesus was Jewish. And we have to look at him through Jewish eyes. We have to look at what he did through Jewish eyes and how he did it and what it would have meant to him. And he knew then that he was going to be the Passover lamb. And so we have to understand from that point of view, one of the, one of the wonderful things that I thought you brought out in the, in um, the program with the two rabbis mm -hmm. and you said, and I hope I don't cry, but you know me. That, um, that sometimes um, the Jewish people were a little bit um, uncomfortable. I think you used the word uncomfortable because in a sense, it seemed like we were usurping something that was yours. We don't want to do that, Jonathan. Right. No, no, I know that. I know, and, and, and it's important to have this conversation. That's, yeah, that's why. Very important, honey, to have it. And that was 100%. very important that you brought that, that up. Look, but I, I we need to understand it from that perspective and understand it from your perspective. I think uh, most of the people watching and interacting now, live at least, are Christian. 
Mm -hmm. um, there are there are some Jews who I know who are following now, and I hope that they will. When mm -hmm. I spoke earlier about Genesis, you all I think know this. Mm -hmm. Genesis one, two, three. We're building bridges. It's not a one way street, right? And and there's there's going to be some discomfort. Right. in in all in all levels and that's okay and i'll and i'll even t pick up your analogy in terms of a, of, of a marriage it's not perfect every day you don't always wake up and and um feel the love that you I mean, that you do but but there are other things there are realities and 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 i'm good with that and i'm good with as i said at the outset with with a little discomfort but but all from respectful yeah Right. And, and I think that's so thank you. So I, I love what you just said. Um, it's not just because you're my bow mom, but just it was it was right. But Parthenia, good. I'm glad you unmuted yourself now. You had interpreted my question really succinctly. And then and Priscilla jumped in with that really great um, analogy. What a, a what do you think about my my question and how you interpret it? And, and maybe more specifically how Priscilla described it. Well, I, what I was going to say was, um, I'll, I'll give an example too. That was great, uh, uh, Priscilla, your analogy of two cultures coming together, that is so true, and complimenting one another. Uh, I'll give an example. I have a dear friend. Uh, she's a Holocaust survivor. She's one of my best friends, and we hang out all the time. I just spoke with her yesterday, and I celebrate. She invites me over to her house for holidays, you know, Passover, whatever, Hanukkah. And so uh, we just... I totally can be in a Passover, traditional Passover, and Jesus doesn't have to be mentioned. But because of I know the connection between the two, I am just blessed by it. Does that make sense? Yeah. It never. He, his name never has to be mentioned. Yes. But it's everything that was done was so pointing towards what he, he has done. And because I know that, it doesn't offend me at all. And so we have a blast. Uh, she's an Orthodox Jew. We love each other dearly, totally respect each other. So as a Christian, can I be in a Passover Seder with Jews and, and be blessed and Jesus never mentioned? You better believe it. Absolutely. Yes. Great, thank you, Victoria. You unmuted already. What? What? Where do you? Where do you sit on this? I just love that, Parthenia, and that's totally where I'm at with it too. I think that, um, yeah, I, I have been in Jewish seders that have been strictly, you know, it's it's kind of like me going back to Catholic church. Sometimes it's like being in a place. Yes, I can get a lot of stuff out of it. I'm not Catholic anymore, but it still speaks to me. And I think that uh, I could be in any kind of state or any kind of situation like that. But as a Christian, so what it does for me is Jesus just adds another redemptive dimension to it. It's just like another level. And so, yes, it's beautiful by itself, the way the, the Jewish people have preserved it through the years and all, even the way they do it so differently. But for me, then it adds that other, for me, redemptive, I like to call it redemptive dimension. Thank you. Um, I love uh, Christine Dard. I, mean, I love Christine Dard, but I love the comment you just shared with us in terms of uh, affirming what what was just said, but also how you even broadened it by saying that you feel that way in the synagogue service as well. I mean that 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 should be intuitive because so much of our service is is Old Testament. Um, but but I think that that's great that you also 
um, can can be part of it as a Jewish experience and, and still um, appreciate it. Or I, I think Parthina, you just said, be blessed as a Christian as well. I love that. Um, I, so I, I want to begin to kind of wrap up this formal, very informal, lovely chat that we're having. Um, I, I would love, again, to ask everybody to share their questions here in writing if they have. There's been some great comments that are made. Um, but, but moving on to, I think, the piece that Priscilla was just touching upon and even came up in my car. And I it didn't today with one of my daughters. I wouldn't say that any of my kids felt that, that any of you are um, religiously appropriating um, our holidays. I try to explain it, but for me, as I was saying, I, 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 there are a couple of Jews and, and a lot of Christians following this right now. And what I'm, what I'm curious about is uh, what I what I want to happen from this is that this the video will be shared widely, and it should be, and it should be shared widely among Jews, even if it's something that makes us uncomfortable, because we need to build bridges and and understand. So having said that. If there's a Jewish person who isn't watching this live and is sticking on with a, is sticking on now a little over an hour into this conversation, um, what do you say to that person who is uncomfortable with may, maybe Passover specifically? I, I, I re was reminded, by the way, of a previous webinar I did, and there was some very uh, unpleasant and hostile. Um, even a talk back on the Facebook in particular. And one thing that struck me, and it just made me sad and frustrated, is that there was a, a, a um, I don't even remember who it was about, and it doesn't matter, but that there was somebody who, a, a Christian person who was wearing a tallit, a prayer shawl. And a Jewish person, and I think you'll remember who it was, somebody who I know and I'm with, with whom I'm friendly, and who is the daughter of Holocaust survivors, um, not only didn't understand that, but took great offense to it. So with the, with the great love and sensitivity that the three of you, each of you have for, for the Jewish people, for, for, for the, the Torah, for God, what do you say to those people who are watching this and are uncomfortable with that? Priscilla, you're nodding actively. So let me, let me have you jump in first. I say to them, I'm sorry that I have offended you. That was not my intention. My intention was to love you, but I have offended you. So will you forgive me, please? And hopefully they'll say yes. And then I will say to them, May I bless you? And if they say yes, I'll say, may I hug you? And if they say yes, I will hug them and pronounce the ironic blessing over them. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, Parthenia? Wait, I guess I experienced that uh, with my friend, Tova. I mean, at each other's houses during the Passover. Uh, of course, she doesn't share the, the first night with me, but uh, with me and my family. And she was such an asset to explain the Jewish part of the elements. They, it was excellent. It was just 
Oh, so wonderful. So what what happened is it didn't just happen overnight. We became friends. We started learning and fellowshipping together over coffee. I would I would be a relationship. Relationships are so important. Uh, it, it's hard to hear someone if they don't know or trust you and your motives. Does that make sense? So I would definitely pursue a relationship with them, friendship, simply because they, they're a person and for no other reason. And then what I found is as, as we mutually start to get to know each other and, and realize the more of the common, uh, how we have more of a love for the common God of Israel than anything, that in itself brings peace. And so, and it opens up dialogue for, and they will ask, what does this mean to you, person? Because they don't understand it. And so, and I'll explain it to them. They're like, oh, okay. And then they'll explain to me. And, and so we have a very good dialogue, dialogue going. So that's what I would do. Uh, I would just really love to get to know the person and then just uh, assure them that, hey, we're worshiping the same God. And um, from that, I have found that that brings comfort more than anything to my Jewish friends. And, and it opens up deeper conversation and we're real with one another. And we don't always agree with one another, Great. but that's, it's okay. We love each other. And that's the most important thing. Beautiful. I, and I just spoke with my friend Tova and she was telling me things I need to do for my Passover Seder. Each year she tells me something different. And so like, I've never done a matzo ball soup. And I said, it's a tradition. She said, well, you know, it's not on the plate, but yeah, you have to have it. I was like, okay. So I, I made lots of balls soup last night. <laughs> and she's so, she's not scared to talk to me about Passover because she knows I love her God and I love her. That's the important thing. And um, so that's what I would do. I, I, I love that because you, because you answered, I think, the question with a really personal um, explanation and anyone who can't see the sincerity and love in that and still sees somehow that there's something deliberately negative. Yeah, okay, someone's Jewish and is uncomfortable, fine. We'll, we'll be uncomfortable or we'll get over it. But but I, I, I love that you how you just shared that. Thank you. Um, Virginia, uh, Victoria, um, how about you? I don't really have anything to add. I think about that what Priscilla and Parthenia have shared is just beautiful. I think it really is relational, you know, that uh, all the Jewish friends that I have, we've talked about these things and they've shared, um, you know, why do Christians do some of these things? So at Bridges for Peace, one of the things that we try to do is we try to help Christians. Like, well, we have talits that we um, would sell at the Jewish festival or whatever. But we include in there kind of um, cautions about these are sacred to the Jewish people. You know, you don't want to run around like it's your house coat, you know, and, and those kinds of things. And we try to like just educate a little bit. You know, we know that uh, Christians get overzealous about appropriating some of these things that are very, um, you know, holy to the Jewish, Jewish people and have purpose, significance. And so we just try to educate that way. And I think that, you know, it's all about relationship. The more that we, like Parthenia was saying, just talk to our friends and, you know, try to try to do, be the bridge, you know, we try to get the Christians, uh, you know, 
tranquilo, as we say in our house, tranquilo, mellow out, chill, you know, a little bit on the, um, <laughs> the Jewish stuff. And then we try to tell our other friends, hey, they love you. They just want to be like you. Okay. <laughs> kind of thing. But, but you're doing, what's great is also how you just explained that is you're also doing that through dialogue. It's, it's, it, 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 so I'm hoping that anyone who sees this live now, thank you everyone who's, who's here with us live and, and, and certainly in the future. And I'm, I'm going to deputize everybody. And when I send out the link to share it widely and let's, let's continue this conversation um, it should be continued. And, and, and even if we continue to disagree about something, let us at least understand it and use that as a foundation for building bridges in the future. If you stayed with us this long, you definitely deserve a special treat. Beginning this year, the Genesis 123 Foundation has been offering a special gift each month. Each month, we're giving away a special gift. In the past, it's been books from what we call Jonathan's Bookshelf. But this month, we're giving away something that's truly special, connecting you to the, to the land and to God's word. I call it the Inside Out Mezuzah. It's a beautiful piece of art. If you don't know about it, well, trust me, you're going to want a copy for your home or for your office as well. All you need to do is go to the Inspiration from Zion social media and like and follow us. When you comment and share the link to this program, we will select one winner at random. So I'm looking forward to having the opportunity at the end of the month to go back and review who all the people are who are following and liking and sharing this and then being able to send this beautiful piece of art to your home. We're grateful that this podcast is sponsored by our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia. I always like to say, if you're in the area and need something that a wholesale greenhouse needs or, or, or provides, please pop in or certainly just swing by to say hi and thank them for helping make this program possible. Also, thank you for the Coin family for their meaningful sponsorship. Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis One Two Three Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue the dialogue and to build bridges. I want to acknowledge this episode is sponsored by one of our guests, Parthenia Antwine. Thank you for that. And we look forward to being able to bring you more fascinating conversations just like this. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion, please be in touch at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, especially questions you have about Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here as we bring you more meaningful conversations about unique topics relating to Israel that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you, you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are all safe and healthy and send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. Thank you and God bless you. Hallelujah.